Thanks for joining us at the Liberty City Podcast. Liberty City values each person's unique experience with faith, and we hope that this word impacts you today. Hey everybody, wow, amazing. It's a great honor to be able to preach to you the weekend after Good Works. What a great Sunday last Sunday was. I mean, truly incredible to hear testimonies and stories about different members of our church and different people in our community and right through the world that are impacted by our church or will be impacted by our church through your giving. And so I'm just, I'm thrilled. And so today I want to talk to you a message that's called Cloud and Fire. And if you have a Bible, um, go to the book of Exodus chapter 13, 20 to 22. And I'm going to read to you today from the message version, Cloud and Fire. We're going to talk about uh, God's people coming out of, out of um, slavery, captivity, out of oppression and into the promised land and really inspired by Mike's message um, last week. And I hope this blesses you, or the week before, I hope this blesses you today. It says this, They moved on from Succoth and then camped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. God went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud during the day to guide them on their way, and at night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Thus they could travel by both day and night. This pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left the people. Father, we ask that you would speak to us today. Bless us, touch us. God, encourage us today. God, speak to your people, Father. Bring insight and revelation. Father, have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. When I first read this passage as a child, uh, like in my kids, you know, or my teenage um, good news picture Bible. Uh, I read the scripture and, and you start to realize, you start to think like, oh, this is just like a square pillar of cloud and a square pillar of fire. But I wonder how God did this. I wonder what he did to create this beacon of light and hope and warmth to guide his people out of captivity and into the promised land. Even today, as we talk about this, just use your imagination to think of the most vicious volcanoes exploding and molten lava and smoke billowing through the skies to think what God would have used to guide his people. When I was younger, I, uh, as a teenager, I had one job after school, one, one main job, one key job for the family, and that was to start a fire. My job was to get a fire going. And so I would get home from school every day and I would, uh, well, I would make a peanut butter sandwich and I've handed that anointing on to Ryder for sure. This man has five or six peanut butter sandwiches every single day. Peanut butter toast, like, he'll go through like a tub of peanut butter weekly. And so that was my, that was my thing. Get home peanut butter sandwich after school. And um, crunchy peanut butter with additional butter. So the bread or the toast has butter, then peanut butter, crunchy. So that's just to clarify for anyone in the church that thinks that smooth peanut butter is better than crunchy. You know, there are many other good churches in Ottawa that you can feel free to join at any time. If you, with, if you continue to believe that smooth is better than crunchy. So let's make that really clear right now. And then you also have additional butter underneath the peanut butter. Okay, so if you think that peanut butter is buttery enough to not need to have additional butter, then yeah, we can fight right now. How about the other day when on Facebook, someone invited all the Joshes to fight for the name Josh? <laughs> A friend of mine whose name is Josh wasn't invited. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I hope that gets edited out. When I was a teenager, I would make this peanut butter toast and I would put on Dragon Ball Z and I would start a fire. I'm so good at starting fires that I don't even need any ingredients for the fire. I can start a fire right now with nothing. I don't even need wood. I don't even need paper. Who needs a lighter? I don't even need a spark. I got so good I could just start a fire. 
And so obviously that's untrue. And so I would start this fire and I got so good at it. But this one day, it was like particularly um, like moving and distracting and motivating um, episode of Dragon Ball Z. And so it's the Frieza saga and Frieza's like fighting Goku and Goku, ha- and by the way, if you don't know what Dragon Ball Z is, then we've got work to do. Okay, so I'm praying for you. And so Goku's got this spirit bomb and he's about to land it on Frieza and win the battle, you know, and save the planet. And so I'm fully distracted. So I've got my peanut butter sandwich. I'm distracted by Dragon Ball Z and the fire has started in the fire. But every day I would take off my mum's like candelabra from the top of the fire on the hot plate and I would put it on the ground because obviously the fire and the heat would welt the, uh, would, uh, welt the max. <laughs> who's, who's max in this story? It would melt the wax. And so I put it on the ground. But this day I forgot because I was watching Goku beat Freezer. And so then the wax from the candles melted on top of the fireplace. It's like a square you know, square fireplace, you know, and it melted on the top. So then what happened was I was watching the show and then out of nowhere, like got my fire going. Then there's another fire now on top of the fireplace because all the, all the, the melted wax caught on fire. So I was like, oh. So I ran into the kitchen, grabbed the pot, you know, just kind of gathered myself and filled the pot with water and came in and, and threw the water, the cold water onto the hot molten wax that was on fire. And then the hot molten wax that was on fire then cascaded across the walls and started another fire on the, the curtains and the wallpaper. So then I had, and I had three fires going. You, you've heard that phrase like, you know, oh man, I was facing fires on all sides. No, you weren't. I was. I was facing fires on all sides. So I had only one fire that was where it should be, then another two additional fires. At this point, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? Any reasonable person would bring the fire brigade. Okay, so I was unreasonable at this point. I'm a teenager, give me a break. So I opened the door, the sliding door to the, to the side patio to, and you know, it lets in more oxygen. So now it's now feeding the three fires that I currently have. I've got smoke and fire billowing out the side of the house and my mum turns up and I'm like, oh, you know, so I'm scared like, oh, mum, I'm ruining our home, but also mum, can you help? You know, so there's that, 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 there's both emotions. Yeah, the juxtaposition of those emotions happening at the same time. So I was like, oh, mum, don't kill me and help. Classic. So she comes in and she's already called the fire brigade because she's seen the fire and the smoke from down the road. So she's driving up the street to the house. There's so much fire and smoke coming from the house that she has seen it from down the street. And then the fire brigade comes and like, you know, you know when you're the guy that's like, caused the trouble you know like you've caused the damage you're like sitting there you know you like pretty much people like just don't touch anything you know like you've ruined everything don't touch anything else so you're sitting there like you know just like and then the, the firemen are you know they're solid guys i'm pretty sure they do is work out you know and save cats and so they, they, they'll walk in hey mate you know and i'm like hey how's it going and i'm clearly the guy that's caught my house on fire you know so they come and fix it solve the whole scenario and then have a conversation with my mum. I, I say all of that to say this if I that day caused enough fire and smoke for my mum to see me down the street, which means that I maybe caused enough fire and smoke to be seen by a surrounding neighborhood, maybe half a dozen homes. Imagine how much fire and smoke it would need to be created to cause a whole nation of people to be able to see it at all times. And I'm not talking some peanut butter Dragon Ball Z fire and smoke. I'm talking like God would have to generate enough light, enough fire, and enough smoke to be such a huge pillar in the sky for a whole nation to be able to follow at all times 
while running away from a foe into the promised land. Just think about that for a second. They they think that the millions of people that were a part of the Israelite community at that time was about the same size of the population of New Zealand right now. Think about how much fire there would need to be for all of Ottawa to see it at the same time. Think about how much fire there would need to be for Southern Ontario to all see it at the same time, for the GTA to see it at the same time, for a whole country to be able to see and follow and be led by this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire out of captivity and into the promised land. Have you ever been to Blues Fest? Have you ever been to a Raptors game? Have you ever been to a, a New Year's Eve like fireworks display? Like these pale in comparison to the amount of energy and light and warmth and power that God displayed in this story to lead his people from Egypt and into the promised land, away from danger and into hope. Think about that for a minute. Today, can we take that, that picture of cloud and, and fire? And can we take that image and can we just today really start to understand that God is still doing this for us today. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 46 verse 1, it, said, it says, I love the Psalms because David ebbs and flows. He's just like us, right? David's not always up, he's not always down, but every day he's both. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, For God is our refuge and strength. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. Our ever-present help in times of trouble. Nadia next week when she's preaching on our Mother's Day service will use the scripture. She'll talk about Matthew 1.23 where she says, the Bible says that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and he'll be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Psalm 18 verse 35 says that he will stoop down to make you great. In other words, God, God is God, but he loves you so much that he comes down low to help lift us up. God with us, Emmanuel, God stooping down to make us great and ever-present help in times of trouble. God is so powerful, so magnificent, but he in our lives is so present. Colossians 1 verse 19, and this is the probably the the most powerful scripture, I think, in the Bible that kind of um, defines or gives clarity to the fact that Jesus wasn't just a man, but is in fact God himself. Colossians 1.19 says this, that for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwelling in Jesus. Another translation says that he was pleased to have the fullness of the deity dwell in Christ. In other words, God is so deeply and dearly in love with us that he came low, not as an ambassador or as an emissary, but he himself in the form of Jesus came. The Bible says he put on skin and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That that same God that led the Israelites is the same God that leads us today. So what can we learn as we start to read about this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire? that guided the people that never left his people? What can, we, what can we learn as we read Genesis and Exodus and these Old Testament books and major prophets, minor prophets? What can we learn? Well, today, let me just give you a few simple thoughts that I think stand true for us today. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes, is that God is always ahead of his people. He's always ahead of his people. Have you ever had a conversation with someone or do you know someone who's always behind the eight ball? You know that person? Always overwhelmed. 
never really got everything ready. Like they're never, they're never on time. They're always late. They don't have everything. They've lost their kids and they don't know what on earth is going on. Compared to a person who's always on time, compared to a person that's always ahead of the game, the comparison between the two for me is always brilliant. That one person that you know is always, it seems like they're never surprised. That person just seems like they just got it all under control compared with the person that seems like they're always overwhelmed. When we think about God, understand this today. God is never surprised. There's nothing overwhelming about your life that's overwhelming for God. There's nothing too big for him. He's never thrown off. God is in control. In our lives, when things are out of control, or at least they seem to be, it's very hard to imagine that there might be someone who is indeed in control, that there might be someone who's running the show. But that one of the great reasons for us to rejoice as Christians is that we don't need to know why things happen. We just need to understand and comprehend that they happen for a reason and that God is in control. Psalm 115 verse 3 in the ESV says this, For our God is in the heavens and he does what he pleases. When I first read that scripture, I was like, mm, wow, sounds like he's just chilling. You know, that's what, that's what I do. That's what I say to myself when I'm on vacation. You know, Levi is not in the heavens, but he does what he pleases. You know, that's vacation, Levi. But when I read that, I realize, you know what? That's really powerful because that gives me faith to understand that God is in control and it's fully powerful and can do what he wants when he wants. He is God. I don't have to know why things are happening to believe that there is someone who is in charge. Nadia and Jaden both don't like Jim Carrey, and I pray for them. In fact, I pray that God would remove that spirit of judgment on, off their life right now in Jesus' name. But Jim Carrey, he's gold. I mean, he's, he's classic. He's like, you know, he's cut from a different cloth. Not everyone likes him, but he's, he's had a few bangers, right? You know, like Ace Ventura, um, oh, The Truman Show, um, but Bruce Almighty. Okay, so Bruce Almighty, classic. Bruce Almighty, this is what happens. Bruce has a bad day. This is Jim Carrey. Has a bad day. He's an anchor. Says some things he doesn't mean and kind of like work spins out of control. And then he blames the Lord. So Bruce Almighty should just be called your everyday life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, we make mistakes. We blame God. That, that, I mean, I do that all the time. Like I, I like stand on Lego. Jesus, you know, why did you make inspiration for Lego? You know, like whatever. And so I'm trying to put IKEA kitchens together. Oh, you know. I'm pretty sure Lego and Ikea are from the same country, so maybe Sweden. So I'm not trying to say that Swedish people make bad things, just that I can't use them and then I blame the Lord, you know. So Bruce Almighty blames God and then God turns up in the form of Morgan Freeman. Makes sense to me. Morgan Freeman then gives Bruce celestial abilities to be God. And so there's some great scenes where he's like answering prayers. He's like automatic, yes. Reply to all, yes. So you've got people like that have won the lottery and all these kind of things, like a real picture into the kind of prayers that we pray. And it's just a brilliant film. I say that to say this. We haven't been gifted with celestial powers to be God, but we do have the ability to have a relational conversation like Bruce and Morgan Freeman did in the film on a daily basis, that you have access, not necessarily to the power of the creator of the universe, like you would a genie in the movie Aladdin, but you have access to the creator of the universe for a relationship to talk through what's happening in your everyday life. Um, even today, you know, before we leave the house to come and do this filming, she goes like, dad, 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 before you go, just let me know. 
I'm like, yeah, totally, 100%. He's like, dad, no, dad, before you let me know, you come find me. I was like, yeah, sweet, no worries. 10 minutes later, dad, dad, before you leave, come find me. Let me just let me know you're leaving. I was like, yeah, no worries. And then the third time, he's like, hey, don't leave today. I was like, oh, I've got to go to work, got to film, got to like make church happening. He's like, okay, but before you go, come find me. Isn't that like, as a father, that's actually not annoying. As a father, that's awesome to know that my son wants to hang out with me so much. He doesn't want me to leave, or if he understands I have to leave, that he just wants me to just come and grab him so that he knows where I am at all times. Think about now God, that God is just so powerful, so brilliant, so creative, so God, but he's still keen. Like, hey, he's just like, hey, God, you know, hey, like, what are you up to? You know, he's like, oh, I'm just like, you know, running the universe. Like, cool, how's it going? Great, how are you going? Great, I'll see you later, you know? God, God, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just like making sure the economy doesn't crash. You know, whatever. Like he's just, he's interested in relationship. Have you ever uh, looked at nature and then asked God a question? If you've looked at the trees and gone, God, how does that, these things are so warped and have this, the root system, how does it work? How did you come up with that stuff and expect an answer? Have you ever marveled at a newborn baby and thanked him for it? Have you ever sniffed behind a puppy's ears and given a nod to heaven like, that's actually quite cool. Have you ever been amazed at the fact that I just used a dog illustration in a sermon and thought that God is, is truly alive in my life? Have you ever cuddled a spouse or watched a rom-com with a loved one and honored the Lord with a grateful heart? He's real. He's in control. He has a plan. I don't know what it is or where it's going, but I believe that there is someone in the driver's seat. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. This is a season for many of us of fear. This is a season for many of us of dismay and anxiety and unease. But the Bible says again, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. We talked the other night with a friend, virtually, about Ryder's diaphragmatic hernia when he was born. He was in hospital for a few months. We had a tricky lead up to his birth. And he had a hole in his diaphragm, had four major surgeries before he was one. And I think it's really important, and Nadi helps me with this all the time. I think it's really important that you don't just go through bad things and come out the other side and move on. I think it's really important, and again, she's taught me this for many years, that you go through bad things, you come out the other side, and you stop and recognize what God brought you through. And the fact that you're still alive, you're still walking, and you're still standing, even though that what you walked through, you thought would take you out. And so I love talking about Ryder. I love talking about Ryder to Ryder. He's 12 years old. Sometimes he forgets. He's got the scar to prove it, but he, he wasn't lucid or conscious for many of what he went through. So we like to tell him and just make sure that he knows that God brought him through that season in his life. But I remember one of the key moments that was so um, became so fruitful, but was such a turning point, a pivot point for Nadia and myself when Ryder was going through these tough times, when as a family we were in a dark space, was that um, what happened was this. We stopped um, asking why things were happening and just started to ask different questions. So rather than saying like, why? Why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, I, you know, we'll, we'll be asking that question until Jesus comes back. And it will probably be the first question we ask him. Who killed JFK? <laughs> I don't really care. But why, do, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, do Martians exist? You know, these is, there's going to be the top list of questions that we ask. So we just said, babe, why don't we just stop asking why? It's counterproductive. It's not helpful. 
and start asking questions like what? What's next? Where? Where to from here? What are we going to do about this? What happens if this happens? Let's start to plan for the future rather than asking questions that we won't get answers to right now. When it comes to our walk with God and the things that we face in the world around us, asking why things are happening won't always give us the answers that we need. And we'll spend so much time trying to find those answers when instead of just going, okay, that happened, that's bad. What can I do about it? Um, amazing uh, on our Good Works video to hear from Pastor Biju from, um, I hope I got his, uh, Biju or Biju? I'm not sure. I hope I got his, his name right. What a, what a uh, hot and spicy greetings from India. What a wonderful presentation he gave. Felt like I could just listen to him for days. But he basically felt that, you know, he saw kids that needed help and he asked why, why, why are they there? What can be done? And he felt like the Lord asked him the same question. <laughs> what are you doing about it? Like, God, what are you going to do about these kids? And God's like, what are you going to do about these kids? He's like, yeah, no, good, checkmate. Okay, I'll, I'll figure that out, you know. And I feel like so much of our relationship with God is like that. Uh, when it comes to our walk with God, it's not what you know, but who you know that counts. In the world that we live in, unfortunately, that's a reality, that you can get into things and people can get jobs and opportunities not because of what they know, but because of who they know. I think about green rooms I've been in at conferences, famous people that I've had dinner with or all these different scenarios, different experiences that I've had in life that have nothing to do with my skill or merit or talent, but everything to do with the fact, to do with the fact that I know this person, I know this guy, I can get into this place, I can go to this VIP section because I know this person from being connected to the right person. In life, we don't need to necessarily be connected to the right person but we must understand that we are connected, deeply connected to the creator of heaven and earth. And there's no greater VIP lanyard or, or access that we can get from any other person than we can get from having a relationship with the living God. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. I don't know why bad things happen, but I do know that God is working on my behalf. And he is always ahead of his people. If you're taking notes, the second thing I'll say is this, that when I read the scriptures, I believe that he's not just ahead of his people, but I believe this, that the cloud of uh, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire represent for us the fact that he is a guide for his people. First Corinthians 10, one through four says, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under, a under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. Speaking of the scripture that we're reading right now, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the spiritual food. Verse four, note this, and they drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them in the desert and that rock was Christ. Isn't that awesome? First Corinthians speaks of Exodus and says that these people walked through the desert, but Jesus was with them. Like they walked through the desert, they drank from a rock, and that rock was Christ. Have you ever heard of foreshadowing in movies and books? Foreshadowing is when something happens, and it's a foreshadowing of what will happen. So you know, you'd be like, oh, you'd be watching The Usual Suspects, Kaiser Soze, and you're like, oh, oh, and then it happens, huge twist, and you're like, oh, I saw that earlier. You know, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the MCU, but in the 22 films, there's heaps of people that have broken arms or sore wrists or bandages. Tony Stark's always kind of dealing with his arm because at the end, you know, he was going to be like, you know, I am Iron Man. And then like snap. 
And you're like, oh, twist, you know, foreshadowing. The Matrix, oh, all these great films, like Inception, you know, you like um, Interstellar, you know, like, oh, the bookshelf on the Morse code. Oh, it wasn't a ghost. It was your dad. You know, like it's just all these things happen. Jesus is the great foreshadowing of the scriptures. He's everywhere. He's the main event. He's the main course. He's not a little side. He's not a little like, oh, micro herbs. That's going to take your food to another level. Just a little something. He's not the micro herbs. He's not the accessory. He's the main course of the scriptures. He is being foreshadowed the whole time. Right now, wherever you are, there's natural light in your house probably right now. All your lights are on, your pot lights. There's a shadow that you cast. And, and I've got a few lights on me, so I've got a few shadows. Jesus is the shadow. He's the, he's the person of the scripture whose shadow is cast in the Old Testament and shadow is cast right through the New Testament. He is the great foreshadowing of the Bible. And the, the Israelites are in the desert. They're being led by, by cloud and by fire day and night. There's nothing that could hold them back, good or bad. They can walk because they're following after God. He's in front of them and he's guiding them. And they need water and the water was Jesus and the rock was there and the rock was Jesus. No matter what you face in your life, it's Jesus that's getting you through. He's a guide for his people. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the, um, the Narnia series, C.S. Lewis. Just like stunning. But every time Aslan turns up, ooh, there's nothing like it. Like every time Aslan, if he's a, he's a, he's a, a metaphorical or an, alleg an allegory of Jesus, a foreshadowing, so to speak. And the horse and his boy, Shasta, meets Aslan, and this is the conversation they have. Don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions, said Shasta? There was only one lion, said the voice. What on earth do you mean? I've just told you that there were at least two lions the first night and there was only one lion, but he was swift of foot. How do you know? I was the lion. And as Shasta gaped with mouth open and said nothing, the voice continued. I was the lion who forced you to join with Aravis. I was the cat who comforted you among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you as you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile so that you should reach the King Loon in time. And I was the lion that you did not remember who, who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it came to the shore where a man wakeful at midnight to receive you. Then it was you who, who wounded Erebus. It was I. But what for? Child, said the voice. I'm telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but his own. Who are you, Ashasta? Myself, said the voice, very deep and low, so that the earth shook. God is active. He's not dormant. He's the rock in the desert. He's the water in the desert. He's the one that accompanies you in all the times in your life when you thought you were alone. What got me through, it wasn't coincidence. It was Jesus. Our God is a guiding God, a leading God. Invisible, yep, silent a lot of the time, mysterious, absolutely. But active, 100%. He's prompting us. He's given us a conscience. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He leads us. He guides us. Isaiah says in Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you'll hear a voice from behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. God is leading you. He's speaking you. He is to you. He's guiding you. He helps you daily. He is active in your life. The Bible says about David through his life, mainly First and Second Samuel, that he inquires of the Lord nine times. So nine times in scripture, David in purposefully inquires of the Lord. I wonder if someone wrote a, a story of your life and my life, 
how many times we would genuinely inquire of the Lord. Like, God, what would you have me do right now in this season? Jesus often withdrew to, for what? To seek God, to let him into his life, to open up his heart to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We studied in Alpha a few months ago, William Hunt's painting called The Light of the World. You know, the one Jesus standing at the door, the door is overgrown. It looks like it's a door that's never opened. He's standing at the door and someone asked William Hunt one day, because people always try and critique artworks and they found that the door had no handle. And he said, uh, it was on purpose. The handle is, is on the inside, not on the outside. In other words, Jesus couldn't ever open the door to this man's heart, speaking of Revelation 3, to dine with him and have relationship with him. The door has to be opened from the inside. Jesus is knocking. He's active. He's keen. But we need to be a people that respond. He's always ahead of us. Secondly, he always guides us. And lastly, if you're taking notes, he has never left his people. Exodus 13, 20 in the message says, The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left the people. Imagine the scenes. The people are in dire need of direction, running from a tremendous foe, generational oppression, following Moses, and a massive pillar of cloud and fire guide them to safety. You would need no more miracles or, or moves of God in your life to know and trust that he is real and alive than this one right here. A huge shaft of flame providing light and maybe even warmth. And the Bible says that the cloud and fire never left the people. Psalm 91 verse 11 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. Angels all the time guarding you in all of your ways. Right now, there are angels overlooking you, your family, your kids, your friends, because he has commanded them concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. Before you ask how, because that's what we do, isn't it? We're like, how is he doing that? You know, how many angels really are there? Before you ask how, just comprehend and acknowledge the fact that it's happening. Don't ask how or where was he when I had pimples as a teenager, right? No angels there. Where was he when I lost a loved one? Where was he when my kids went missing at Costco for several hours? When was he when I had a bad hair day or a bad tax return? Rather than asking how and jumping into your mind, just acknowledge here and comprehend that it's the Bible and I believe it's true that he's commanded angels to protect me right now and give him thanks for it. In all of our ways, that God is not only looking, not only interested, but he's commanded heavenly beings to look after us. One of the great books that I read this year with a bunch of friends, we read Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights. Brilliant book. And he writes in his book, he, he writes this, and, and, I, and I couldn't find the exact phrase, so I hope I do it justice. He says this, I believe that the universe is conspiring in my favor. I read that and I thought, wow, I've never heard anyone in so few words utter something that I believe actually to be true. He says, I believe the universe is conspiring in my favor. He says, I believe things are, are trying to get other things to work out in my benefit. He says, I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic. He goes on to talk about the fact that believing the alternative or being pessimistic is ultimately a fruitless venture that will probably come true. 
We have a God that loves us. He's the creator of the universe. He leads us. He guides us. He's always with us. He never leaves us. He then constructs and commands angels to guard us and protect us. Rather than finding all the times that we feel like God wasn't with us, why don't we just acknowledge that right now he is. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. As a pastor, I have really good days. I have really good ones. At the moment I finish preaching this, that'll be a good day. There'll be a moment. Just, you just, oh man, all that prep, hours and hours and hours of prep and just thought and, and heart focus to get here and deliver it, whether it be live in the church or here through this camera. When, when I finish, that's good. That's a good moment. If good moments, good moments with people, people finding Christ, people getting baptized, people finding relationships and peace and getting set free. These are good moments. But then there are tough moments, moments of trauma, moments when people go through things that you can't explain and you've got to try and figure out what value you can add in that moment. Moments of grief, death, tough moments. And maybe, uh, maybe 10 years ago, it really occurred to me that nothing that I said in those moments was making a difference. <laughs> Don't you hate that? When you realize that you're useless. <laughs> that everything you've been trying to do for years, like, hey, it's going to be okay. And like, hey, it's fine. And you know, whatever. It made no difference. And what I realized was that being in the room made all the impact. The words were really meaningless. And I realized that helping people in situations where it's inexplicable or they're grieving, just being there is enough. And that's why the Lord says in Isaiah 41 verse 10, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. Hebrews 13 5 says, because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. As a parent of four young kids, and in particular two younger kids, putting kids to bed is like blessing and curse, isn't it? It's love-hate. Some, some nights it's like, oh, just a breeze. Other nights it's like, man. But what's the issue? The issue is usually that the kids just want to see you. They just want to know they're safe. They just want to know that they are not alone. They want you to stay, rub my head, read me a story, pray, go to the toilet seven times, just to be together, to make sure that they feel like they're not alone. That's, that's a human heart cry to a God that we know exists. But that's why he sent Jesus. That's why he's Emmanuel. That's why he stoops down to make us great. That's why all the deity, he was, he was pleased to put all the fullness. That's why Jesus is God, this Godhead, this three in one to be with us. So as if we could ever question God, God would say, I sent my son to die on a cross for you. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I guess that's the next sermon, isn't it? That's the next sermon I get to preach. Is to understand that because I can be, I can be encouraged because he is with me. I can, I can be encouraged and I can let go of anxiety and fear. Then I can then afford to be strong and courageous because I know he is with me. And today understand that he leads you. He guides you. He's in front of you, but he will never leave you. The Bible says that there was a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And for me, I guess, in, in closing, I'd love to just, just say this. I believe that there were a pillar at both times 
so that they could travel whenever they needed to. So that there was no reason for them to stop because God wasn't there, but they could keep moving in good days and bad days, in health and in sickness, because God is with them every step of the way. And no matter what position you find yourself in today, good day, bad day, love, hate, blessing, curse, God is with you by cloud and God is with you by fire. So if you're here today and you're saying, I don't, I don't know Jesus, like I'm here with a friend, he invited me to online church and I was, I'm glad to kick it with you guys. Then I'd love to say to you today, like Jesus is real. Like God sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me, for our sin, for our error and our mistakes. The Bible calls it transgressions. And that you can, in one moment, in one prayer, reach out to him in repentance, reach out to him in, 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 in understanding that he says, God, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, I'm off. I need you in my life. And if you're here today and you're saying, I need Jesus, I'm distant from him. I don't have a right relationship with God. Levi, where do I start? It's simple, friend. You start with the prayer. I was 13. You're probably in your mid-20s right now, late 30s, early 40s. You're probably 56 years old right now. You're probably in your late teens. You're probably a master's student. I was 13, man. And I just prayed a simple prayer. I was just like, God, like, man, I think you're real. I don't know you. I'm sorry that I've been going my own way. I want to go your way. And that prayer changed my life forever. And I believe I can stand here before you today and preach a, preach a sermon to you, a message to you today that says that I believe that the universe is conspiring in my favor. I believe that angels are guarding my decisions, helping me every single day of my life, that God is real in my life because I prayed that simple prayer. And so if you want to pray that prayer today, I would love to pray that prayer with you. And as a church, we'd love to partner with you, provide you with community and hope, love and support so that you can continue to walk out your faith every day with Jesus. So if that's you, then let's pray this prayer together. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you, church. See you next week. We are so glad you joined us at Liberty City Podcast. Please come check us out on social media and find an event to connect with us. 